Well, turn your Bibles, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22, we've been doing a series called Choices. Can you say choices? choices? I can guarantee you this, the choices you make in life today will affect you tomorrow. If you make right choices, guess what? Life will be better tomorrow. If you're making wrong choices, guess what? Tomorrow won't be as good as it could be. But this morning, I want to focus on a direction uh, called the choice of faith. How many know sometimes we can choose volitionally to have faith in the middle of our problems and struggles, or we can allow the script of worry and confusion and fear to just cause us to just be in a rut. Literally, you can invite God in the midst of problems by faith. How many know God doesn't respond to need? He responds to faith. And you literally, when you choose to have faith in the middle of something that's difficult, overwhelming, don't know what to do, but when you choose simply to say, I believe God, you open a door to God's presence. Can you say this with me? I believe God. God. Genesis 22, verse 1, we're looking at Abraham. Abraham, in the New Testament, is called the father of faith, which simply means he's the greatest example of faith in the Bible. God spent much of Abraham's adult life teaching him this, this idea or this issue of how to walk in faith. But Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, it's an interesting phrase. It said, God tested Abraham's faith. Now, you may not be aware of this, but God is in the testing business. Remember when you were in school and the teacher said, close your books, we're going to have a pop quiz today, what would you say? Yeah, because you realize this test was going to show you what you knew or didn't know. A test reveals what's on the inside. You can tell your mom, listen, I'm great in math, I'm doing great, but how many know the test actually reveals it? And this is what God was doing, testing Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, and he knew his voice. Yes, he replied, here I am. And verse 2 is a pretty incredible verse. He says, take your son, and I'm condensing here, take your son Isaac and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Now, we can't really relate to this as Americans and modern Christians. And But first of all, you've got to understand that God never intended Abraham to kill his child. How many know that? That was a practice of the pagans, but what it was, it was a spiritual test. Now, in their days, the idea of a sacrifice was very common. It was an act of worship. When you and I talk about worship, typically we talk about clapping our hands, lifting our hands, singing songs. But an act of worship for them would start with a sacrifice. An animal literally would be killed, and its blood would atone or cover for the sins. It was a way to approach God. Sin was so serious it had to be dealt with. That's why Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice. And it was an act of worship, and they were going to offer the sacrifice. Sacrifice your son. Verse 3, it's almost like Abraham keeps going in spite of the contradiction. The next morning, Abraham gets up early. He saddles his donkey. He takes two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. So he's not fighting this request, though it's difficult and a bit overwhelming, and certainly he doesn't understand it. Can you, can you agree with me on that? He loved this boy. Now, this child, Abraham, is probably 115 to 120 years of age. He got a promise when he was 75 that he would have a child. His name was going to be Isaac, a promised child. And one day God took him outside and said, look at all the stars in the sky. He said, if you can count those stars, that's how many descendants they are going to be. And this is where the Jewish race came from. Well, God has made this promise to him, and now it seems like the whole world is being turned upside down. God is asking something that I promise you he does not understand, and he certainly doesn't like. You face things in life that are just like this. You'll face challenges as a Christian. You don't know what to do. You don't know where God is, and you don't know what the next step is. 
I have a, a, a nine-year-old nephew, just turned nine, and he was diagnosed with cancer several weeks ago. This child is stage three cancer, and now they've been able to get a handle of the thing. But listen, when we proclaim God is a good God, we thank God for caring for us, and your nine-year-old kid gets cancer, how many know it puts some questions in your mind? Well, this is a time where you must decide if you're going to choose faith anyway, if you're going to choose faith in spite of what's going on. doesn't mean that you like it. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a choice that you're going to believe God, depend on Him, trust Him. Am I going to do that or am I going to give up and quit or am I going to just be stalled? Well, the third day of their journey, Abraham looks up and he sees this Mount Moriah in the distance. And notice verse 5. It's the key verse of the morning. He tells the servant, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there. And then what's it say? We will come right back. We're going to worship. Now, listen. When they sacrificed an animal, they didn't take him to the veterinarian when, or, uh, right after it was over. There was no CPR on this sacrifice. He's dead. But this dad says in some incredible fashion, we're going to worship, I'm going to sacrifice him, and then we're going to come back here and he's going to be alive. Now, he couldn't explain it. He didn't understand it. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us that Abraham believed that God could raise the dead. But what I want you to see in this is that in the middle of this circumstance that was overwhelming, beyond comprehension, and this is where the Bible gets practical. So you've got to know when you read the Bible, it's not just history lessons. It's not just information. It's not just theology. But it's how you handle circumstances in life. And here's a problem that is beyond anything he's ever had to deal with. God is asking for something that was beyond anything he could imagine, but yet he chose faith. He chose in the middle of something he didn't want, didn't understand, or didn't like. He chose to believe God anyway. And some of you today are grappling with, it could be disease in your body. It could be financial pressure. It could be a huge disappointment. It could be an unanswered prayer. It could be some level of pressure. Well, what I want to encourage you to do from the example of Abraham and others today, I want you today to choose faith. I want you to choose to believe God in spite of what everything looks like and appears like. I want you to choose to believe that God is able. He is still a loving God. He is still a good God. Come on. And God can do it because he said he could. Give him a big hand this morning. I choose faith. Now, I'm going to talk about four choices this morning. Very practical message. We're going to look not just at some abstract theology or verses. We're going to look at the lives of four individuals today. We're going to take challenges in their life, problems, difficulties, things that came before them. They didn't like, they didn't want to happen, but they made a choice to believe God in the midst of it. Now, the first one, I choose to believe God when I feel like quitting. Now, we're going to talk about time in this first passage because how many know if it takes a long time most people give up we live in instant society but we've got to have faith over time secondly and this is probably my favorite of the morning i choose to praise god when i'm surrounded by problems now most people choose to praise god when everything is great i mean when the temperature is 75 degrees come on everything is great and life is good but faith is released when you choose to praise god in the middle of your problems the third thing we'll talk about is I choose to believe that God is bigger than my problems. Now, we're going to talk about a guy this morning, nine foot tall, Goliath. And here you've got a little teenage boy. He saw the nine foot guy, but he saw that God was probably 10, 12, 15 feet tall. You understand what I'm saying? God is bigger than the problem. And lastly, we'll see that we can choose to believe God, that God is able when things look impossible. See, circumstances often tell us that, that it can't go any further. A doctor's report, uh, your bank statement, 
your debit card when it says, sorry, no cash in here. I mean, there are limiting statements in life that we believe that, that, well, that's just all there is, and the implication is God's not able to do anything about it. Well, I want to tell you, faith chooses to believe that God is able, that God can change things, that God can help me somehow to walk up my mountain to sacrifice with my son, but yet come back after we've worshipped. So let's explore this this morning. I choose faith, and let's begin in Mark chapter 5, the first choice. The first choice is, I choose to believe God when I feel like quitting. There's a big difference in our life between feeling and faith. And I want to tell you this, my friends, feelings are good when things are well, but when feelings are not very good, when circumstances are not very well, if you live by feelings, your faith walk will stop. Now, look with me, Mark 5, verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. I mean, 12 years is a long time. Likely she's a Jewish woman. They'd crossed the, Jesus had crossed the Sea of Galilee, and he's talking to this crowd, and here's this woman in the crowd. So if she was a Jewish woman, certainly she was of Jewish descent. She taught that God was a healing God. She taught the, she taught the promises of God. She had expectation that God would heal her body, but now it's been 12 years. Uh, there, were no sur- there were no physicians to do an oblation or to do a hysterectomy. I mean, it was just she had a problem, and she couldn't do anything about it. Verse 26, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Now, this verse paints the picture of the best human effort that we have, the best I can do with what I've got, the best the professional can do. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors over the years. She'd spent everything she had to pay them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. So think about this. Twelve years of waiting, things are worse than they were when I started, and it seems like it's not ever going to get better. It seems like it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Have you ever felt that way in life? See, if you're honest this morning, I'll preach quicker. If it takes a while to get it out of you, I, it'll be a little longer. But when you have to wait a long time, it's difficult. But notice verse 27. She had heard about Jesus. Now, this is profound because everything is going to shift in her life. Do you know that you can hear about Jesus on a regular basis? And I don't mean information about his life for the first time, but I just mean as you read through the pages of Scripture, God speaks revelation to you. See, the Holy Spirit can give you visions and dreams, and you can hear prophetic words, and God, God speaks to you. It's like encountering Jesus for the first time. So Jesus comes in the middle of the situation. Faith is at work in her heart. She comes up behind him through the crowd, through though there was a little difficulty, and touched his robe. She thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Now, here's a woman that 12 years has not stopped her faith. Here's the woman that is diligent, that is pressing through. Some people in today's Christian world won't even come to a second altar call after they've been prayed for once. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Now, verse 34, Jesus brings it to a conclusion. Listen to what he says. He said to her daughter... Say it with me. Your Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, would it be fair to assume if her faith has made her well, if she didn't have faith, she wouldn't have been well? Now, here's where the contradiction comes in many of our minds because how many can honestly say there's been times that I had faith for something and believed God and it didn't happen? Let me see your hand. But here we see someone who touches him afresh after 12 years, and she is healed. So what can the possible message be? I choose faith. If time is going to be my worst enemy, because listen, time works against you. Time rarely builds your faith. Usually time tears it apart at the edges. 
Because over time we pray, over time we come to altar calls, over time we, te- we, 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 we seek God. But you've got to be careful not to lose faith. See, the longer we wait, the harder it gets. But I want to tell you this, my friend. Our instant culture has made us expect things happen just like that. And when they don't happen just like that, we go on to something else. I want to encourage you, friends, this understanding of faith. Faith is not just receiving from God. Faith is enduring. It takes the same faith in God to receive a miracle as it does to endure 12 years and believe God on the beginning of the 13th year. See, oftentimes we see faith as just a convenient way to get what we want from God. Faith is not a gimmick. Faith is not something you hype yourself up in. Faith is the choice that you make every day to believe God. And Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and he rewards those that diligently seek him. That same chapter, though, will tell us that several people died in faith not having received the promise. So if you just tie the answer to faith, you have a problem. See, faith pleases God. And faith, by definition, they'll put it on the screen, faith is simply a trust in God and His Word. It is believing that God is able and that He will do what He said. I I have found in my life, sometimes I've, I've gotten a word from God. I knew what the Holy Spirit was saying. I knew what God's will was. And faith helped me press in and lay a hold of it. Other times, I've just wanted something to happen real bad and prayed real hard and done everything I could think to do, and it didn't happen. Listen, faith is not automatic. Faith is not sovereign. Faith is not a, a lever to force God to act. I used to think faith was like, you know, you, you, you kids in the grocery store, got to have a quarter, got to have a quarter. What do you do with that quarter? Put it in that machine, and you turn the knob, and by faith, the deal falls out. I don't believe faith works that way. I believe faith is more like a drawbridge over the old moat. You know, you've got the alligators and snakes and everything, and you know, God's on the other side trying to get in, and you're in here. Faith is a drawbridge, and it's a choice that we let down that invites God to come across, but you can't force God to come across. I got about half of you. I've not been able to force God no matter how hard I've believed and how many quarters I put in the machine. But if I can come to the place of my confidence is in God, my trust is in God, my hope is in God, my expectation is in God. See, you got a whole lot better chance for things to change than if you stay the way that you were. So this is the first choice. My first choice is to believe God when I feel like quitting. Because can I tell you, sometimes things take time. John the Baptist's parents, great examples These people had served God all their life, and they had a testimony that I wish I had, but I don't. The Bible says they were righteous and blameless all their life. But they still didn't have a baby. See, sometimes we feel like we can earn things from God, but yet God waited till that perfect moment in time, and guess what? John the Baptist was born. So sometimes you have to wait a period of time, and it's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with the timing of God. Hannah, in the Old Testament, cried and wept at the altar for a child. And finally, God got something out of her that he was looking for. And she said, if you'll just let me have a baby, then I'll I'll give him to you and he'll serve you all the days of his life. God said, that's all I want you to say. I'm looking for a priest to deliver the nation of Israel. I'm glad you finally got there. You give that baby to me. And guess what? I'm going to turn and give you some more children. But it takes time. And time is an enemy of faith. You've got to choose faith every day. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. 
Go to Acts 16. Now, this is really good. My second choice. I choose to praise God when I am surrounded by problems. Can I tell you, this is unnatural. This is, some would say, weird. But you, in the middle of your problems, can praise God, and it becomes an opening for God to be able to move in your life. Now, the context here, Paul is persecuted. He simply told people about Christ. He helped a poor girl who had a demon in her get delivered. Well, she was able to tell fortune. She was a fortune teller. Not like these people you call 800-something, 888, and they're sitting at home, you know, drinking beer, drinking wine in California, waiting for the phone call to ring at $4 a minute, and you just keep putting in $4. This woman, through, the, through a demonic spirit, could predict the future, and Paul said, that's not of God. He cast the demon out of her. You'd think he'd be in the newspaper. But listen to what happened. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Verse 23, they had been severely flogged, thrown in prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24, it gets worse. He put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Can I tell you, it doesn't get any worse than that. This is a horrible prison. If you've heard anything about the prisons in Iran and, and, and countries in the Middle East, I mean, they're just horrible. It was dark. It was musty. Now, I want you to look at your finger just a minute. I want you to imagine somebody taking a stick about four feet long, as big as your finger, and beating you across the back up to 39 times. It bruises your organs. It bruises your bones. Blood is going everywhere. This is not a nice place to be. You get thrown in the inner prison. You know, the Supreme Court told the state of California a few days ago that you need to let go 30,000, 40,000 felons because you don't have an adequate jail to house them. Isn't it amazing? Our solution, if I can digress a moment, in America, since we no longer want to be a moral nation living under the commands of God, we want to just run wild and crazy, and our solution is to build more jails, but now we can't afford to build more jails because we're broke. Don't you think it makes more sense to invite God back into the context of America? Don't you think it makes more sense to put the Ten Commandments back on the walls of our schools? How many know if they took them off, they can put them back on? Don't you think that God can turn this thing around? Well, it doesn't get any worse than this with Paul. And I don't know where your faith is, but I don't know if I'd be praising God at that moment. It doesn't take much for me at all to get in the, you know, to get in the grumps. How about you? It doesn't take very much at all to give me a little dose of depression and make me wonder where in the world is God. You got way too quiet on me then. I mean, you can just go to the store and not have enough money to buy something, and you can get angry at God. You can feel like, God let me down. I gave some money on Sunday, and why did it happen? Listen, if you just couldn't, you know, go out to eat because you didn't have enough money, what are you going to do if they repo your car? Are you going to be praising God on that day? I know I'm meddling this morning, but I'm just telling you, Losing jobs, losing houses, it happens all over America, and it doesn't just happen to pagan people. It happens to Christian people. Things go around in the culture, and if you're in the culture, if you're in the, if you're in the world, what happens if Cooper Tire and Red River all close in the same year? We've got problems here in Texarkana. Do you think you're not going to have a problem? No, I think you will, but I think in the middle of it, you can still choose faith and still see God move in your life. See, faith doesn't exempt you from problems. Faith invites God's presence into the fallen world that you happen to live in. But let's look at verse 25. Mind you, it, it is terrible. They're in this inner prison, creepy crawlers everywhere. People hate them. At verse 25, at midnight, the darkest hour, Paul and Silas were doing what? How could they do that? They didn't feel like doing it. You're right. They chose faith. 
And praise is the language of faith. Faith needs a voice. Faith must have words to contain it. And when you release it, what you get back in return, your faith begins to grow. And God's presence begins to come in your life. Listen, this is the way it works. And then verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, the prison was shaken, the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. That's a pretty incredible story. But can I tell you what? That same thing can happen to you. But can I tell you this? Even if the prison doors didn't come open, God's presence could sustain you in the jailhouse. And this is where a lot of Christians give up and quit. They praise at midnight, but if the doors don't open, then they don't praise anymore. Come on, because God let me down. Can I tell you, praise is not a gimmick. Faith is not a gimmick. It is a way of life that pleases God. And faith opens the door to the presence of God. See, in His presence is not just absence of problems. In His presence is fullness. See, you read through the pages of the Bible. I don't care where you read. Godly people in the Bible face problems. Persecution, heartache, loss, all these things. But they, when they find God in the middle of it, they still have contentment and joy because God is with them. Oh, I'm preaching better than some of you are amening this morning. Paul even wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5... He says, thank God no matter what happens. Your your King James or New King James says, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He doesn't say, for everything, give thanks. Oh, I'm so happy that my child has cancer. No, in the middle of it. See, we live in a fallen world where evil abounds. And we're not exempt from it. But in the midst of it, God is a good God. And faith helps you connect with Him. And when you choose faith, you open a door for the presence of God. Now, I know that may be a little new to you. I was raised in a Methodist church. I'm thrilled from my Methodist heritage. It taught me to believe in the Bible. I never questioned whether Buddha was the way of salvation. But we never talked about the the, the presence of God. I just thought God was up there and I'd get to see Him one day when I went to heaven. I had no idea that I could be walk with Him each day. Now, we'd sing the song, uh, I've come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses, and he walks. Whoa, 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 he talks with me. How can you be a dispensationalist, a cessationist, and believe that that's over, and you still, and he talks with me. Oh, tells me I'm his own. And I used to love that song. What is it? It's about the presence of God. You know, if we'd had a program this morning, we'd have had to cut out part of worship. But didn't you just kind of feel God just kind of just, just linger? What is that? Worship is the best way I know to connect with God. It's not mysticism. It's not, you know, cross your legs and stare at your belly button. It's an invitation for your creator, come on, to come near. Praise opens the door. First Samuel 17, my third choice. I choose to believe God. I choose to believe that God is bigger than my problems. Okay? Here's what the divorce decree calls for, but God is bigger. Here's what the bank statement says. Is God bigger or is he not? Your banker says, listen, I can't loan you any money. Does that mean God is dead? Somehow you've got to see, you've got to choose faith to know that God is bigger than your piddly problem. Listen, I don't have my checkbook here, but, but give, me your, give me see a checkbook or something. God is bigger than this. 
Okay, you've got plenty of those. He's bigger than this. Isn't it amazing, though, how one small, minuscule number that can be erased or changed on your program, that number can send you in a tailspin. Can I tell you, God wants you to grow beyond that. This number is a pretty important number, and everybody said? How many would like the number to be bigger? Yeah, I would too, but I'm telling you, this is not what controls me. God has got to be bigger than that. See, and faith is, a, is not a feeling. You're feeling, you know, at the, when it's bill paying time, several times a year, I do not do my monthly bills. After I pay bills, and it's not as much money as I thought it would be, guess what I say? No. 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 I don't say, oh, my God. I say, Linnell! I'm the spender, but I say, Linnell! I'm so glad you just got real just a moment. After you've shouted, Linnell, or honey, or whatever you came out of your mouth, take a deep breath and say, I believe God anyway. And that doesn't mean maybe you shouldn't cut up your credit card or you're going to have to say no to something, but I believe God. 1 Samuel 17, 4. A teenage boy is facing a soldier, a soldier that is a Goliath. A giant. Verse 4, Goliath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. Now, he was challenging them for over a month, 30 days, against all the other soldiers, and, and the whole situation was paralyzed. He's over nine feet tall. Listen, I believe that. Why is it so hard to believe somebody could be nine foot tall if basketball players could be seven foot what? Seven, seven? I mean, they can just reach up with their nose and touch the top of the goal almost. Goliath is nine foot tall. He was this huge guy. But can I tell you what I want you to see him as this morning? He was a nine-foot problem standing between David and his destiny. God had for David to be the king of Israel. He, his will for David was to write much of the Bible and to be someone that would lead, listen, teach people how to worship, a man after God's own heart, but he had a nine-foot problem standing in his way. And if he'd have walked away from the nine-foot problem, he never would have become the person God wanted him to be. I'm telling you, you've got to choose to believe that God is bigger than your problem. And it is not a feeling, it is the choice of faith. Now, here's where it, where it gets worse, uh, back to verse 8. Goliath stood and he shouted, It would be great if your problems didn't have a voice. But they do. The doctor has a voice. The lawyer has a voice. Come on. Your ex has a voice. Your debit card, the computer has a voice. And this voice was shouting, I am a Philistine champion. It was shouting, you'll never make anything of your life. You didn't even finish high school. You'll never be able to be successful. You didn't go to college. You'll never be successful. The color of your skin is wrong. It's the voice. Goliath walked out toward David. See, this problem will kind of get all over you. Verse 42, he sneered in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. David was a teenager. Verse 44, come over here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. It's like your obstacles in life have a voice and they want to smush you. They want to destroy you. That's when you must choose faith. Now we're going to see that faith does not deny the voice. But faith chooses to believe God in it. Look at verse 44. Come over here. I'm going to, uh, verse 45. David's reply. Now this is huge because I'm telling you faith has a voice. Faith has words it speaks. He said, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin. He didn't deny it, 
But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 46, today the Lord is going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. 47, this is the Lord's battle and he'll give you to us. Now listen, he was either on drugs or he had faith. I think he had faith. He saw the same thing that all the other soldiers saw, a nine-foot problem. But David saw a ten-foot God. David saw that God towered over Goliath. How did he see that? Choice. And the choice moves you in the direction of God, and one day you see it worked out in your reality. That's the way it works the same way. Faith is a choice to believe that God is with you wherever you go and will help you with whatever problem you face. You can be in a jail cell being beaten and have faith. You can be a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years and have faith. Or you can let worry and fear, come on, unbelief, frustration, anger define you, and that script can continue to play. If you are old enough to know what a record player is like and it's playing the record and the little arm gets stuck on it and it just and what do you do? You go up to it and then it starts playing. Well, that's what faith does. Faith does not deny the problem. Faith simply chooses to believe God in spite of it. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Abraham, almost 100 years old, much past the age for having children, and Sarah couldn't have any children either. Now, listen to this. Abraham thought about all of this, but his faith in God did not become weak. Your New King James says he, considered the, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. But he didn't waver through unbelief. And here's what many Christians do. If they have a problem, they just want to put their head in the sand and pretend it's not there. Pick their head up from the sand. If it's still there, they put it back in the sand again. There'll even be some people, Christian scientists, for example, and even some, in my opinion, that are a little off in the walk of faith. If you have a pain in your body or the doctor has said you have cancer, no, I don't. It's not true. 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 I don't have pain. I don't have pain. I know I'm bleeding, but I'm not bleeding. I'm not bleeding. I'm not bleeding. I'm not hurting. I'm not hurting. Listen, if you're hurting, you're hurting. If you have pain, you have pain. If the debit card says zero, it is zero. Faith looks right at it. And Abraham says, I know I'm 100. I know my wife is the same. We cannot have children, but I choose faith. I don't, I don't, listen, we're going to go up that mountain and worship, and we're coming back. Can you explain that to me, please? No. This is worth the whole morning if you'd write this down. What I see through the eyes of faith will often determine what happens to me. Let me say it again. What I see through the eyes of faith. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, something you really want to happen. I want to marry her. 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 I want a new car. 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 I'm not talking about things that you just really want. I'm talking about you and your walk with God have discerned the will of God. You know the will of God. It's settled deeper and deeper in your heart. You know that God's given you a promise, a sign to have a child if you're Abraham. And that's what you stand on. And that's where your faith is rooted and grounded. And that's what lets you look beyond the problem. And when you see through the eyes of faith, will often determine what happens to you. Let me close with this, and then we're going to have an opportunity for prayer. My fourth choice. I choose to believe that God is able when things look impossible. I choose to believe that God is able to help me with my retirement when I don't have much money in the bank. 
I choose to believe that God can turn America around, come on, in spite of the direction we're going. I choose to believe that God is able. God is bigger. It may take a financial collapse in America to break our pride. But guess what? God is still God. Even if your debit card doesn't work, come on. Even if the check's not in the mail, He's still God. And it's almost like you might lead your neighborhood. Come on. That's just a possibility. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope we live happily ever after. But it may be to live happily ever after. God's got to humble the nation. And as you walk through it with them, you'll choose faith. Just a thought. Genesis 22, verse 6. God is able. Now, this is where we began this morning. Abraham has just left the servants. And now he's going up the mountain with Isaac. Abraham takes the wood for the burnt offering and he puts it on his son Isaac. Now Isaac is a foreshadow, he's a type of Christ. He's a sin bearer. He's a willing sacrifice. Abraham, though, had to carry the fire and the knife. They were the instruments of death. You cannot give your call away to somebody else. You cannot leave it behind you and have faith. You take it in your hand. The two of them go on together. Now listen, it's a pretty good question from Isaac. Mind you now, daddy's probably, what would he be? He's 115 to 120. This, this child, boy, is 15, 20 years old. Now, how many know a 20-year-old can take out a 120-year-old any day? Isaac spoke up and said, Abraham, or father, yes, my son. And Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God will provide. Now listen, there's no Walmart selling lambs on top of that mountain. I guarantee you he has looked for a lamb all the way up to the top. I guarantee you. He loved his son. I guarantee you he was hoping that one would appear. But now we get to the place and there's not one. And it's time to get the rocks and make the altar and put the wood on it. But Abraham still chooses faith. I choose to believe God will provide. And you know the story. And clearly now, God never intended this child to be sacrificed. It was a what? Test. He's on there. He raises the knife. That's the defining moment. And that's when the angel stops him and says, Abraham, don't do that. You just passed the test. Because now I know what was in your heart. See? But he believed God right up until that moment, and he never let go. And that's when I'm telling you, God is able. You know, God is rarely early, but he's never late. He's always right on time. And his timing is not mine. But I want to tell you, my friend, you choose faith. Faith to receive and faith to endure because faith pleases God. Give him a hand. He's worthy this morning. So what, what, what's God been saying to you this morning? You've been thinking about life. I've done my best to open the Bible and look at people, how they dealt with things. How's your faith? Strong, a little weak, non-existent. How are you facing your challenges in life? What's Goliath doing to you? Has he shut you down? My friends, we want to join and close this service today with prayer. Prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. Prayer is when two people take faith together.
and they put it, there's a scripture verse that says, Jesus said, when two of you would agree as touching anything, Jesus said, I'll be there, I'll do it for you. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've got some giants in my life and I want to take a step far, further. I want to get down the road with them. I don't want them to define my life anymore. I need to get off that 40 mile an hour onto the 70. It's a choice to believe. So when we have prayer this morning, if you've got something in your world, maybe it's a 12-year blood disease like that woman, or maybe there's something that's just in front of you that all you've done in life is to cope. Cope should be a four-letter word to Christians. Coping is just living with the problem and managing it. I'm not talking about managing the problem. I'm talking about the presence of God taking you in it and through the other side with it. But if you're here this morning and you need prayer this morning for any kind of problem in your life, or listen, maybe it's someone you love and care about and you're watching them face a great struggle in life and you want to put some faith over on their behalf, we'd be honored to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not walking with God today. I need to turn my life around. I need to receive Christ. I need to be saved. I need to put God first in my life. That's what I need this morning. When we call for prayer in just a minute, I want you to come up here and just tell somebody, I need to get right with God. I want you to pray with me today. Listen, God is here, and we choose faith. Go ahead, stand to your feet with me this morning. We're going to begin to worship. We're going to sing one chorus. I'm going to ask that our prayer team comes down to the front. And if you want prayer for anything this morning, just come and make your way down with them. There's going to be somebody that's going to have faith this morning that's going to meet you and believe God that your Goliath is going to fall to the ground. That God... That's probably no accident there because this is your moment to have a connection with God. You can go out to eat in five minutes. You can come and have spaghetti with us. We hope you'll do it in a few minutes. But right now is a chance for you to act on what you heard today. Let God touch your life today. God bless you. You come, let us pray. Think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, and how he flew.